Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I'm too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 208. I look back at week number 11. Pretty strange week. Week 11 in the NFL was definitely less dramatic than recent weeks for sure. And the early games were very low scoring. In fact, I looked at it all of Sunday, nine of the 24 teams scored 17 points or less, uh, making for a very less, uh, less than usual fantasy output, that's for sure. And then what's worse was that there were a lot of non-startable fantasy, you know, not players who would not start in our fantasy lineup, so they were the ones actually scoring the touchdowns on Sunday. So combined to be a pretty interesting week. Strange week for sure from a fantasy perspective, but it sure was still fun. Uh, to watch and follow all the games uh, this week. So here's some of my Dynasty thoughts on week number 11, as well as some of the guys that I'm interested in picking up off waiver wire. And then I will talk about real trades that took place in my nine different Dynasty leagues. Let's start with observation number one. A sad one for me. I'm going to call it It's Not Working. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen single-handedly carried fantasy teams at the start of the season. Uh, But the last few weeks, they've been just kind of average quarterback ones. It's hard to complain, you know, when they are giving you generally like 18 to 24 point performances in recent weeks, but when you're used to the 30 and 40 point performances that they had at the start of the season, it can get pretty frustrating. I know I have Jackson in one league and Allen in one league, and I've lost uh, the three games in a row in the league where I have Allen, and I've lost three out of the last six in the league where I have Jackson. Uh, The Bills and Ravens have started to run the ball more recently, and they succeeded when they have. I think the Bills are looking to protect Allen's elbow by running the ball more, and the Ravens' defense is improving so much, and they only have one team with a winning record on their schedule for the rest of the season. So I think they're going to be able to afford just to run the ball and focus more on that. So these trends are pretty much disappointing for dynasty managers like me who need Allen and Jackson uh, to be carrying my teams again, not just being kind of an average player like they have been. Uh, Pretty disappointing, and I'm very sad to say that I think that it's going to continue Maybe not as bad as it has been, but trends aren't looking good at this time of the season. You hate to hear that. Uh, Next, we'll talk about another quarterback, Vanilla Vic. Did y'all hear that? Last week, Saquon Barkley was caught on microphones calling the quarterback Daniel Jones Vanilla Vic, or basically Michael Vic. But he's white. Uh, Jones played it like it this week, though. He played like Vic. He scored 28 points, too shy of a season high three weeks ago. And Jones, get this, is the fifth quarterback in rushing yards. Only behind these guys that we know run a lot, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and then there's Daniel Jones. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, he's in good company with those guys. He's had definitely had his up and down weeks as a passer, but his rushing keeps him a viable starter in one quarterback leagues and an every week starter in two quarterback leagues. If y'all been following me for long, you know that Jones is one of the players that I you know, have touted kind of going into the season thinking he was going to make a big turnaround this year. And he hasn't been perfectly great, but from a fantasy standpoint, uh, he really has improved a lot. Third observation, I'll call it, which Saints are marching in? Which Saints are marching in? The Saints quarterback situation, and really the whole team's what I want to talk about. Uh, Jameis Winston, man, he must have got, done something to get in the doghouse with coaches because Andy Dalton continued to get his starting role yet again. And then it, not only that, then they continue to tout out, uh, bring out uh, Taysom Hill 
uh, to kind of spell Dal uh, Dalton throughout the game. And this time he did it a lot early in the game and it wasn't just on short yardage situations. They would just switch them in and out at the start of the game. And even so, somehow Dalton emerged out of this week with 25 fantasy points and led the Saints to victory over the Rams. Uh, you know, when Dalton was first named the starter, I thought that it would actually benefit Alvin Kamara since Dalton will check the ball down more, you know, compared to Winston who likes to throw the ball downfield. And while Kamara, Kamara has been a little bit more active in the passing game uh, with Dalton, he's just not producing those game-winning fantasy points that Dynasty managers who've had him on their roster are used to having. Been a very down year uh, for Kamara, which has been pretty depressing, the opposite of what we thought would happen when Dalton came in. And Dalton instead, what he's done is he's actually lifted the production of Chris Olave and Jawan Johnson, uh, who both caught touchdowns on Sunday. Johnson quietly has scored five touchdowns over the last five weeks. Amazing. He's become one of those touchdown or bust tight ends, but that's how so many of the tight ends are in fantasy right now anyway. Amazing that he's doing that with Dalton. And then Chris Olave, one of my favorite rookies in the class. If you follow me, you know he's one of my most rostered players because I was way higher on him than others in, as, as a rookie. Uh, now he's actually improving with Dalton, but I can't help but wonder if Olave would be even better and more productive if Winston were throwing in passes instead. Uh, we may never find out. I think they're sticking with this Dalton thing. I have Dalton in three of my Superflex leagues, and he's become a player that I've decided, you know, that I have to decide on every week in those Superflex leagues if I'm going to start him or not. Uh, man, it's a frustrating situation that's affecting a lot of the players. I'm glad that Chris Olave's getting out of it, uh, you know, doing still still doing pretty well. Jawan Johnson, surprisingly, has uh, produced. And then sad for the Kamara shares that I have because this has been uh, the worst year of his career. And we thought that Dalton would make it better, and he didn't. Next observation from this week, Dak is back. Uh, Dak's been on fire the last three weeks, and he's back to being an every-week starter in one-quarterback leagues. After kind of returning slowly from injury, uh, he's really kind of bounced back, and I'd say Dak is back and startable. Last, last Sunday, he completed 88% of his passes, dismantling the Vikings with a 30 and a 68-yard touchdown passes. He also looked a little bit more courageous when he was running the ball, in contrast to how he was a little bit more cautious uh, at the start of the year and coming back from this other injury that he had. This week, it was Tony Pollard that blew up again, even though Zeke Elliott was back on the field with him. Pollard had two touchdowns receiving, um, and the Zeke had two on the ground. Dallas's offense is becoming the strength of the team again, making uh, becoming a strength of the team. Offensive line is becoming a strength of the team. I mean, that defense, obviously, if you watch that game on the Sunday, defense is the strength of the team. Love watching a good defense. But now the offensive line, some of the film and the way that Rumbo was breaking it down on Sunday, showing how well the offensive line and young guys were starting to develop, really makes me think that this team is, is poised to make a good run and help a lot of fantasy teams out along the way. Zeke's no longer, you know, the big play ability type of guy, but I think he can provide a safe floor uh, predictably because he's going to use like he was on Sunday in those short yardage touchdown situations. But Pollard, he's the guy on the team with the high ceiling. Given his explosiveness, his involvement in the passing game, uh, he's going to be the high ceiling guy. Dak's perfect pass on Polar, Polar, uh, Pollard's uh, second touchdown, that wheel route, which is so beautiful. Dak is back, and so then are the other Cowboys. Then we'll talk about another person who's back. I'll call it back in business. After weeks on the bubble of starting lineups for Dynasty Leagues, Najee Harris deserves to be back in starting lineups. I only have one share of, of Najee, and my co-manager and I, have, we've actually benched him the last few weeks because we have Austin Eckler and Jamal Williams that we started ahead of him, and it's a PPR league, so we've just been putting receivers in all of the flex spots. 
But now it looks like it seems like Najee's turned a corner. He's a player that we're going to have to get back into our lineups. He's had his two highest rushing yards in a game in the, uh, these last two weeks, 99 yards and 90 highs for the season for him. He's also had highs in the number of carries each of the last two weeks. He's had 20 carries each week. And then on top of that, this week he had his longest run of the season, 19 yards, 19 yards for a touchdown. So things are starting to improve here. It may be that this nagging injury that was said to be what he was battling this whole year, maybe it's finally getting better because the Steelers have actually upped his workload even as they've gotten Jalen Warren more involved. And now speaking of Warren, he left Sunday's game with a hamstring injury. So Najee really could get more work in the weeks leading up to our fantasy playoffs. Uh, Last year, dynasty managers had to decide whether Harris was a really great dynasty player or if his productivity was primarily based on the volume that he got and all little checkdowns from Roethlisberger. This year, they've had to make another decision. They've had to determine if if his lack of production was primarily based on this injury. I think I want to see one more week to decide for sure, but right now, I think it is due to injury. And if recovered, Najee's going to rise right back up the dynasty rankings where he was at the end of last year. Next, kind of a funny one, but I'll mention it. I'll call it backup breakout. Samaje Pirine. He was one of many players who stole touchdowns, you know, from Joe Mixon and other players. And he was not in fantasy lineups this week, but he scored three touchdowns, had the best day literally of his career. He's 27, scored the most points in his career, catching three touchdown passes uh, from Joe Burrow. Uh, Pirine has been cutting into Mixon's workload throughout the season, though, especially on passing downs. And now he's going to have like a week or two now that Mixon's hurt that he could get nearly all the touches uh, while Mixon recovers from his concussion. P. Ryan, so I just kind of mentioned this here to remind you the importance of keeping uh, quality backups, you know, backup running backs on your on your dynasty rosters. Uh, P. Ryan's the type of player that I love to have on my roster. I have him actually, I went back and looked now, I have him in four of my nine rosters, and now he's probably going to start in a flex position for me in most of those leagues this next week. It's essential to keep a lot of backup running backs on your dynasty rosters for weeks when they get a spot start because of a minor injury or times when they you know get to start for a long time because the starter goes down with something more serious i especially like to roster backup running backs on teams with, with a good quarterback and a good offense which is the case here in cincinnati that said with p ryan he's also a player that i consider trading this week particularly if now you go find the joe mixon owner manager and then you you bring in this offer to him saying hey do you want p ryan to have a little bit more security it's a great thing to do, which is another another excellent reason to roster a lot of backup running backs because they become very tradable when the starters in front of them uh, get injured. It'll be kind of fun to make some trade offers with P. Ryan this week. Last thing I'll mention before we talk waiver wire and trades, I was going to work a pun in, so here's my pun for the, for the episode. Believe my lion eyes. Believing my lion eyes. And I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. I always like to work in at least one pun, and so... I say it's time for us to believe our lion eyes. Jamal Williams is the RB1 in Detroit, ahead of DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Um, whether you like it or not, uh, Swift, you know, he's passed his injury, uh, he, but his role is just not increasing. And he's not cutting Jamal Williams' touches, especially at the goal line. The Lions gave, gave Swift in this game. The last touchdown gave him a courtesy goal line touch. In fact, he needed two tries before he could get in. But before that, it was Williams who scored three times on the goal line. And then what's worse for Swift is that Justin Jackson's been receiving more touches the last few weeks. Jackson's had a higher snap count in two of the three previous weeks, and they both have the exact same number of touches, 20, over the last three weeks. 20 touches over three weeks. DeAndre Swift is not the RB1. Jamal Williams is the RB1. you got to believe your lion eyes, and Swift's dynasty value needs to be the lowest that it's ever been since he entered the league. 
All right, let's talk some waiver wire. A couple things on the waiver wire. I always say remember that I play in leagues with 300 to 360 rostered players. So if you're in shallower leagues, there's definitely better players than this. But if you're in true dynasty leagues, these are the players available in my leagues that I'm looking to pick up. First would be Demarcus Robinson. Uh, Since Rashad Bateman was put on IR, Robinson has seen the second most snaps at the wide receiver position behind Devin Duvernay for Baltimore. But he's had significantly more targets, 21 targets compared to Duvernay's nine. This Sunday, uh, he had nine catches for 128 yards. Uh, He's the second highest targeted player besides Mark Andrews since Bateman's been gone. Uh, He's the top player to add this week for sure, and I think I'd spend a fair amount to get him if I'm in a deep league that has many, you know, flex spots. I mean, I'm running out guys like Darius Slayton and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm running those guys out in a couple of my leagues. So Demarcus Robinson could be a starter in a league like that for sure. He's the one I'm definitely making bids on this week. Second player, less of a dynasty aspect, but it's Kendall Hinton. Uh, Hinton is the wide receiver too in Denver so long as, so long as Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler are injured. He played 96% of the snaps last week, and then he played 88% this week. I had no idea that he was playing that much until I looked it up after seeing him make a couple plays on Sunday. He can't help a dynasty roster, you know, in the long term, but he could really help a roster immediately. Uh, Robinson's the only other player on the wire this week that's getting more opportunities than Hinton is. So Robinson and Hinton, some guys to pick up if you're desperate. Next would be, uh, last guy I'd mention would be Justin Jackson. As I already said, Jackson's getting as much work as DeAndre Swift. It's crazy. The last three weeks, that's the truth. Uh, He'd need, you know, an injury to really get the workload that would make him startable in fantasy lineups. But he's worth a stab, you know, add into your squad just in case. Or maybe if you have one of those Detroit players to get a little more security. He's produced on fantasy teams before when he was a backup with the Chargers. He had several times when he was startable in dynasty lineups. So Justin Jackson uh, cutting into uh, Swiss workload there in Detroit would be another player I'd consider this week. All right, let's wrap up just by talking about a couple trades. Pretty, pretty busy uh, trade week in my leagues. People are trying to make their playoff runs or they are calling themselves rebuilders and starting to get some draft picks. Uh, first was this trade, Marquise Brown was traded for Kadarius Tony in a 2023 third-round pick. So Marquise Brown for Tony in a third-round pick. I think I like the Brown side of this trade, no matter what the state of each team. And Brown and Tony, in my opinion, they're both, both pretty risky players. Uh, Brown because he gets injured almost every season, and Tony because he's a bit of a head case, which I think is part of why the Giants traded him to the Chiefs. Tony's definitely young. He's worth a gamble to see if Andy Reid, maybe Patrick Mahomes, can get the most out of him. But in contrast... Uh, Brown is a real sure thing, at least when he's healthy. And so of these two risky players, I think I'd rather have Brown. The same manager in another league made another trade for Tony, and that was this, it was this, Kadarius Tony for a 2023 second-round pick. This Tony trade is a little bit closer, but I still think I like the second-round pick side of this trade because it's a 10-team league, and the team that gave away the pick is likely to be you know, probably between pick 11 and 14, which feels like a first-round pick in most traditional 12 team league. So in my eyes, this is almost like Tony for a first round pick, and I'd rather have that first round pick uh, than, than Tony. I've just been one not to trust him. I was lower on him when he came out, um, even though he maybe you know showed a splash or two with Kansas City so far. Uh, didn't look do anything impressive last night, and just the fact that he's a head case. I try to avoid players like that, but obviously this other manager wants to take a chance on him. Next trade was big one. TJ Hawkinson and Curtis Samuel were traded for Mike Gusecki, in a 2023 first-round pick. So Hawkinson and Samuel for Gusecki in a first-round pick. So the team that added Hawkinson to their squad is the top team in the league. 
and tight end is the only weak spot they have on their team. I've been trying to work out some trades with him too, try to get, give away a tight end. It's definitely the only hole that he has. And the team that gave up Hawkinson is kind of rebuilding, and he's collecting a lot of picks now. So now he has two first-round picks. I looked, and he has three second-round picks and three third-round picks in 2023. So he's going to have a whole lot of picks to rebuild with. So both teams did what was in the best interest of their team. I don't think that Kaseki um, is going to be with the Dolphins next season. In contrast, Hawkinson has one more year with the Vikings, and I think that they must like him because they obviously traded for him even within their division. So I think that they will probably give him a future contract. And so from that standpoint, um, I like Hawkinson's better uh, for the future. If I were tight end needy, I think I would give a first-round pick uh, for Hawkinson, uh, regardless of whether I was a contender or not. And so I think I like the package size side of this deal. The both both managers did what was best for their team. Two more trades to talk about. One was DeAndre Swift, the aforementioned, was traded for Kyron Williams in a 2023 first-round pick. Pretty bold trade. Swift for Kyron Williams in a first-round pick. As I already mentioned, uh, my growing concerns for, for Swift. Um, so I'm going to have to side with the first-round pick of this trade, even though the team that sold the pick is one of the best teams in the league, so it's going to be a back-end pick for sure. Uh, this trade was made in a 10-team league also, so at the very least, this is going to be pick number 10. So say that that manager gets a DeAndre Swift and somehow carries him to the victory in the Super Bowl. Uh, he basically traded Kyron Williams in pick number 10 uh, for Swift. This league's transitioning to Superflex next season, so a running back could fall to the, someone at pick number 10 if people start grabbing quarterbacks now that we're in Superflex. As far as the Kyron Williams side, um, I don't think he's ever going to come close to what Swift you know, has produced already or what he maybe still has a chance to produce in Dynasty value, uh, but he's a good player to add just to see what would happen. I was surprised to see that LA actually um, uh, gave him the highest number of snaps this last Sunday, so they are starting to work him in and see what he has. Uh, close trade. I think I'd rather have a first-round pick because I'm down on Swift, like I already mentioned. Next trade's a little hard to explain, but it was one that was made in my leagues. Uh, Damian Pierce was traded for a huge package. Damian Pierce was traded for Christian Watson, Terrace Marshall, and a fifth, sixth, and seventh-round picks in 2023. And i got to say, this took place in my FFPC league, where rosters cut down to 14 positional players uh, near the end of the season and before the draft. In FFPC leagues, I've noticed that starting running backs are, are even more valuable, which is why you know a manager was willing to give up so much in this trade. In a league like this, I think I'd rather have Pierce than the generous package that was offered, uh, just because it's very likely that Marshall in these you know fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks are players that are going to get cut because when when these leagues start right before Labor Day weekend, right before the first week of the season in FFPC leagues, you got to cut your rosters down uh, to 20 players, and so when you cut down to 20. Um, it's really hard to uh, to see that Terrace Marshall and maybe any of these people that are picked in the draft at that point would be on this guy's squad. Essentially, I see this as a Damian Pierce for Christian Watson. Watson's definitely going to be on this guy's roster. And that's close because I like the longevity of a receiver compared to a running back. But Christian Watson, we don't know who's going to be throwing in the ball. Damian Pierce, uh, I think he's definitely going to be the starting running back for Houston uh, for some time. Big trade, though. All right, that's a wrap for week number 11. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate your support. Um, I would love to contact you. Or I'd, be, I'd be in contact with you anytime. You can contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's freaks with two E's. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support, and I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.